You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sixers fans, you know, people keep asking us if we're back. And we haven't been able to quite give these people an answer. But the Sixers are 23 and 10. They're looking really good, really fun, really strong. So David Early, my co-host, I'm thinking we're back. I think I think we're back. Is that fair? <laughs> I think that's fair. How you how you been, man? I it's it's been a while. I know we haven't podcasted in a while, just like you know, as Jeff Goldblum said in Jurassic Park, um, life found a way to get in the way. Yes, that's a, that's a good uh, good callback there. <laughs> but yeah, how how you been? I'm I'm I've been great. Um, Sixers are three games back from Boston. Uh, one game back from Milwaukee. I mean, you would love to get at least one of the top two seeds, so you don't have to visit Boston or Milwaukee, right? Right. And Dave, I got to be honest, after everything that happened in the offseason with Nick Nurse and the bench signings and the Harden deal and the P.J. Tucker, uh, and I voiced my opinion on P.J. Tucker many times on both uh, X and freaking this podcast, um, things are looking really good. I'm, I'm liking this. This is good. Yeah, and you know the thing about PJ and James being a team. As much as I know that you disliked that signing in the first place, I liked disliked it. it. Disliked it so much. But one of Morris or Covington or Batum wouldn't be here without him, right? Because you got all three of those guys with the money that went out. So not I, you know not the worst thing in the world to have one of those guys on your team. The alternative would have been a, a vet min, and Harden was just making much more money. So. So the tomb's been balling. What you're saying is that I should be thankful for PJ Tucker's contract because he'd allowed for the trade for Nick Tomb and Robert Covington, among Uh, other pieces. I'm saying it's just one more reason to say, hey, Harden, thanks for taking that pay cut. (laughs) I know you're not happy about it. I know you thought you were going to get a lot more, but we're still glad that you took so much less. We're 33 games in. Dave just lined out the standings, one game out of Milwaukee, three games out of Boston. Honestly, Dave, did you think this was possible 33 games into the season? I can't necessarily say I did. No, I would have had Miami ahead because for a while I thought they were going to get Lillard. Yes. Um, So Lillard goes to Milwaukee. I definitely would have had Miami ahead. Um, And then I would have put like a random team ahead that I, I, you know, I'm not sure if it's going to be the Cavaliers or the Knicks or the Pacers or the Nets, but maybe one other team 
could surpass us if we're dealing with this ongoing hardened stalemate that we had to deal with with Ben Simmons. So thank goodness yeah, none of that happened. And Nick Nurse really is a game changer. I mean, he has a whole new offense. It's such a pleasure to see after Doc's stagnant. It's so good. You know, just get the ball to Joe or just run a pick and roll and then get the ball to Joe. And everyone else kind of stands around and isn't sure what to do. There's cuts now. There's DHO action between Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid. And let's be honest, it's been unstoppable. It's amazing to see. When I hosted Drew Hanlon this summer, he said, we looked back at some of that DHO stuff with J.J. Redick and Seth Curry, obviously. And, you know, Tyrese isn't going to come careening off, diving to his right, hitting leaning threes. But he's a much better ball handler and finisher. He can turn the corners, get in the lane change speeds and finish. And that gives a whole new dynamic when he's also draining these crazy step back threes with so much comfort. I think that's one thing that I kind of thank James for is teaching Tyrese Maxey the beauty of the step back three pointer. Cause I don't know if that was in his bag last year. You, I could be wrong. Saw, when James first got here, you immediately saw those jokey highlights of Sam Cassell kind of messing around in practice with both Joel and Tyrese all trying the, the James step back. Yes. And we kind of laughed at it at first, but Joel hit a few to ice a few games. Remember that game against Denver? I think he hit a crazy one. I think he, Oh, hit how could I forget that? Like I, I legit was doing the, Oh no. Oh no. Oh, Oh wait. It, oh, it went yes. in. Oh crap. <laughs> oh damn. It went in. Okay, Joe, I see you. Yeah, and at that point in time last year, it felt like he was icing his MVP, um, but then it went the other way. But anyway, yes, we can. I think we can give another nod to James for uh, just showing everyone the benefits of that move because Tyrese Maxey's three-pointer is so nasty right now. You rattled off some numbers, some statistics, and I'm going to do the same. This is the Nick Nurse Sixers. I, I loved the firing of Doc Rivers. I love the hiring of Nick Nurse. I thought it was the right move. And it seems to be just, it's just wet. That's all I can say. <laughs> the Sixers are fourth in O rating. But the shocking thing that I did not realize is that they're second in D rating, which is crazy to me almost because you don't really think about defense in Nick Nurse run teams. Like he had that one year with Kawhi, who's an all-world defender, obviously, trade that for Joel, and maybe that kind of parallels. Does that make that makes sense, right? Yeah, but I think I think a lot of fans would push back on that a bit and say, you know, Kawhi, Siakam, Gasol was playing some brilliant defense against Joel. You had Kyle Lowry, who's you know, so savvy. He can draw a charge and anyone can get a steal. Young Brevin OG. Please. Young OG, who I think he was hurt that year. They won it. But over the years, no one, and Joel has admitted this, no one's really played them quite as craftily as Toronto has. They don't always have the personnel. I know people make fun of him for having, like, all of those six nine fours from, you know, Birch to uh precious to siakam and there's just scotty barnes at the point Boucher, it's, just, it's and it was weird never-ending stream of guys they could put on joe who were kind of rangy and he's bigger than them but they they had some success over the years trapping him uh and so nick nurse might might push back on you himself and say hey man i got some defensive chops here that's, that's but, fair. But, 
Shout but out I, Nick's nurse. My bad. My apologies, my man. I'm sorry. I take it all back. But uh, but I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I did not expect them to be this potent offensively, and I certainly didn't expect them to get that. If anything, I would have guessed the defense would have regressed down to league mean because I when you just too. look at them on paper, you got Joel manning the paint. But we've seen Joel struggle when no one can stop the ball. I mean, this was an issue in the past for this team, especially at those times where Ben Simmons was out of the lineup. You didn't have him to put on someone. And you mm -hmm. had James Harden and Tyrese Maxey. And, you know, Melton is a good defender, but he's not quite tall enough or big enough to deal with the Jalen Brown uh, or Jason Tatum every time you want. Tobias Harris, he, I still think he tends – to creep out a little too far and let guys blow by him. I'd still rather him offer the pull-up jumpers and just get a hand up more often than not, you know? I would appreciate if he was a little bit more aggressive, yeah. A little bit less aggressive chasing fast stars away from the rim and a little bit more aggressive in terms of, I'm going to give you the pull-up, get a hand up. Um, Tobias still drives me a little bit nuts with that. But he's not a bad defender, and he has some history of Ding up guys like Pascal Siakam and Jason Tatum in some big playoff spots. So I'm not totally ragging on him. Jimmy Butler's another story because he's <laughs> clearly got he's clearly got it in for Toby. He'll be over me. But it's fine. And enjoy your enjoy your six seed, Jimmy. We'll see you in the playoffs. But yeah, um, we don't have to worry about Miami until the playoffs, just like every year. Sixers are 22nd in three-point attempts, but eighth in percentage. So they shoot at like a 38% clip. And when I watch some of the games, I'm just I'm honestly impressed by how much they're letting it fly more than last year. Like there's a lot more catch and shoot. There's a lot more off the dribble threes. I didn't think they were that low in three point attempts, but they are. Maybe it just seems like they're putting a lot up like against the Bulls last night. They had that hot first quarter from three. And I was just like, wait a minute. They're only 22nd in attempts. I thought that was I thought that would be way higher. When you watch a game like that Bulls game. You could just see with Joel back in the lineup that the entire group felt so comfortable. Like it's a safety know, thing. Like it's like I don't want to call him a safety net, but like kinda. Melton was out, but he has been letting it fly a little bit more freely than under Doc. Kelly Oubre wasn't here last year, but he certainly has a pretty quick trigger and clearly has a green light from Nurse. I just think Nick has them buying in on defense and trusting. The I don't know, maybe what Daryl Morey would say, trusting the math on just getting these these shots up. You're not going to make them all every night, but you are going to hit a better percentage than not because between Tyrese and Joe, we're getting you open looks. And can we just talk for one second about Batum's release? Yes. Yes, we can. <laughs> so quick. He's that never is... even open, and then he just splashes one in the crowd. It's like, oh. He's, Nick is just like whatever. He he has the ultimate green light. He's just like, oh wait, there's a ball in my hand. It should it should not be here. It should be towards the hoop, even though I'm like 27 feet away. Yeah, if I if I threw if we're playing two on two and I threw you the ball directly above your head, that's not enough time for most of us to get our shots off. But for him, it just goes straight up. That's like normal work for Batum. He's just like, oh, all right, cool. It's, the ball's already over my head. Let's go and flying. It's an alley-oop three. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they look like all the time. Speaking of that, I saw Wemby hit this, like, 
running three point. I, I thought the floater was always worth two points, that's, but now Wemby's got him making threes. That's ridiculous. I saw that yeah. too, and I was like, "Wait, that's Al- that's, that's alien shit." We're we're allowing this now. Okay, fine. We're we're done. The league's in trouble. The league's in trouble. Popovich should go back to being fifty years old just to get another five rings. Oh God, <laughs> this is probably my favorite thing about the Sixers right now. They are 15th in pace this season versus 27th last year. I think that has made a huge difference. And if you did not know this, the Sixers are third in fast point, fast break points per game. They average about 17. Only Indiana and Toronto are better. I love this wrinkle about this team. You have a guy like Tyrese Maxey. He wants to get out and run. So let the kid run. Okay. I'm run. I am a thousand percent on board with this. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you remember when the, the two guys that always came to mind when I'm first watching Maxi, as you know, were Tony Parker and sometimes Steve Nash with some of those crafty reverse finishes. Um, but the work that Tyrese has done with Drew Hanlon in the offseason, I think that it reminds me a little bit of when Pop used to always say, Tony, I want you to be in attack mode. 1000% of the time you're on that. Yes. And I think Tyrese has heard, has heeded that, you know, go ahead from nurse. And he's, he's saying, okay. And I think Joe pushes him too. I think Joe says like, get us to the fourth, man, just go crazy until the fourth. I'll bring it home. And this is what I always said about having a guy like Maxi on the floor is it's a different brand from Harden. If Tyrese is running full speed from like three quarter court put pressure on the defense he's gonna run into the lane and do his uh transition things and his finishes but also the defense collapses a little bit earlier than they would they're not set up so that creates easy buckets like those alley-oop threes from nick Batum. yeah i'm not here to rag on harden i still think harden's really good i think he's been an instrumental piece for the clippers maybe some of our listeners will start vomiting when I'm saying this and that's fine. Yeah, but I can hear it now. I can hear it now. A collective collective projectile vomiting. Just but, collective groans and sighs. But he is good, but the problem was when you have a guy unwilling to move so much, the entire offense can stagnate. And I think that was a challenge for Doc. I don't know what type of challenge it would have been for Nurse. You're right. But a lot of fans are thankful now we don't have to really worry about it. It's starting to look like the trade was win-win. Because if you're a Clippers fan, you certainly love it. The team's clicking on all cylinders. Uh, our former colleague Jackson Frank was just saying that James has got them all playing their natural positions again. And that's a scary thing. They yeah. look like true finals contenders. But the Sixers get to run the type of offense that Joel Embiid wanted to see. Remember that report came out from Ramona Shelburne that Joe watched the finals and he was like, damn, man, look at all the cutting that they're doing. Like, I sure do. I sure remember that. From the hoop and you got two, you know, you have KCP platooned on the wing. You've got um, MPJ flying around looking for threes. And then all of a sudden Aaron Gordon gets a lob dunk from Jokic. So, I think he saw that and he was like, I can't do another season of standing around ISO ball. Like mm-hmm. this isn't Hakeem Olajuwon, Dwight Howard inside outside where you double me and I just throw it to the shooter because defenses are will zone up. They'll triple team me. So we're going to need a very unpredictable offense with some better looks for me. That being Joe 
and some better looks for everyone else. And they're getting it. So Harden's good. And Harden's a very, very good player. And he's been very, very good for the Clippers. And if the Sixers could get him back, I'm sure he'd still be good here. Uh, say what you want about how he, <laughs> how he, perf how he performed. You know, we, in the next half of this, we will talk about some trade scenarios. So, <laughs> um, no, but he, he was just going to stand around. And when you do kick it out to him, he's not a quick trigger shooter. So things have opened up and the Sixers have a move to make. And maybe that's a good place for us to uh, get a word in from the sponsors before we talk about some of those trade scenarios. What do you think? Let's do that and then come back. And then we'll talk about two other things before we get into trade scenarios. We want to talk about early Joel 33 games in and then kind of want to talk about the the latest Tyrese Maxey leap because I this is something we need to discuss like because I did not see I kind of hoped that this was coming but I didn't know it was going to be coming because I think we now know that the next Tyrese Maxey leap is here and we're we're enjoying it that's right so we're gonna go take a break real quick Satisfy some of the sponsors. We'll be right back. It is the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Be we back are up. Back, baby. Let's go. <laughs> it's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It is Adil Royster. It is David Early. It is the Out of Sight Podcast. It is the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. And we are talking Sixers because, God damn it, they're good and fun. And Jesus, I love this team. It all starts with the man in the middle, Joel Embiid. It has for the last, I don't know, as long as I've been working for Liberty Ballers. But the man averages 37 minutes a game. But he hasn't had to play in like 14 or 15 fourth quarters. He's, he's, he's doing I love own, that. He's doing his own version of load management. Um, yeah. And it was working just, just fine until he rolled his ankle. He had a ho-hum 31, 15, and 10. And he was just like, all right, I, I think we're good. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have a seat. I'm gonna rest the rest of the way. I'm just like, all right, cool. Okay. Yeah, I was listening to the Sixers broadcast, and Kate Scott was giving him a little bit of leeway in case he needed to ramp up his conditioning upon return after missing four games. And then he just starts casually stroking these three pointers. And he's like, you know, here's my ramp up. I'll just drain these shots. They're giving me. Right. <laughs> I will take what you are giving me. Thank you. And I, will yeah, get I don't back have to work. <laughs> I don't have to work nearly as hard as I was planning to right now. Joel is uh, again, career highs in points, rebounds, assists, also, also turnovers, but he's again, he's looked a lot better. Uh, 54, 35, 89 splits. That's, I don't want to, I don't want to start this train early, but I, I, I don't know. I'm going to do it. Screw it. Joel back to back MVP. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and start that campaign. Like, I'm just well, doing he, it now. I'm doing it now. Was, I don't care. <laughs> he's absolutely been unbelievable. I mean, the numbers, he's having his best season. And we, we, I did not expect to say that again because we've been <laughs> saying every single winter for the last three winters. Um, and he was the favorite, I think, on DraftKings for MVP until his late, latest injury. And now he's knotted up or Jokic 
has has the edge on him apparently per the odds. But he's back and he's going to start cooking. Let's hope he's healthy. Um, I could do a mini rant. Joel clearly rolled his ankle and you allowed him to play 30 more minutes on that ankle. That's probably not the recipe for a championship. Not my favorite thing. We saw that happen twice last year with James Harden, where he was, you know, he limps off to the locker room in a game in November against Washington. He comes back and plays 30 more minutes and then he misses over a month. And it's like, why did no one pull him from that game in November? Yeah. The, fi- the finals is like eight months away. Someone get this 33 year old who's had back to back seasons with hamstring problems out of the game. And then later in March, he, you know, he's been playing on what he admitted was a sore Achilles and he tweaked it on a fall against the Bulls. And he, you know, like a month later, just before the playoffs started, he's saying it's still bugging me. And he played in that game like 46 total minutes in double OT. So the Sixers have outrageous. this really outrageous thing where they play you 30 minutes or more while you're injured, and then you have to miss games. Can we get a common sense person on the bench to say he's got to get out of this game? Because we, we can already tell you. I can predict. I tweet, like, he's probably headed for an MRI. So if I could do this, I'm sure that Simon Rice and his gang have someone that could do this. But anyway... So, um, so what you're so what you're saying is, uh, Josh Harris called me for uh, common sense medical treatments. Yeah, yeah, common sense, uh, czar, and I, common common have, sense czar. I like that. It Doesn't have to only be medical treatment. I could say things like, let's keep Isaiah Joe. Let's not play DeAndre Jordan. I would have been, I would have been a multi billion dollar help to this franchise over you. Keep, let's keep James Butler. You just continue to live on that. We made a mistake by trading us and Joe Hill. And I love it so much. <laughs> and Jimmy Butler, let's not forget him. But in, but in better and more modern news, let me read you four names who have made more three-pointers than Tyrese Maxey this year. Ready? Let's hear it. Let's do it. Steph Curry, number one. Luka Doncic, number two. Desmond Bain, number three. Trey Young, number four. And that's a wrap. Those are the only four guys who have made more threes. He's made the same amount as Tyrese Halliburton at 102. Tyrese is shooting 38.8%. He's made more threes than Klay Thompson, Damian Lillard, Michael Porter Jr., Paul George, Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, De'Aaron Fox, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brunson, Fred Van Vliet, Derek White. The list goes on, man. And this just speaks to the maxi leap that we were talking about. He's averaging damn near 26 and 7. Uh, and like you said, 50, 46, 39, 87 splits. And it's just like addition by subtraction. You subtract James, you insert Maxi, and let's run. Yeah, he. I thought that James was good for Maxi's efficiency because at that point in Maxi's career, it was ideal for him to play off the ball. But now after the summer of work that he put in with Drew Hanlon, working on the handle, working on the change of pace, you could see, you know, he used to try – the blow by, even if you go back to that game six against Boston, there were too many times where he simply puts his head down and goes right. And, and the green defense knew it. They knew it was coming. So Brown could lead him and shade him right into white. And all he's doing is kicking it back out to Harden, who doesn't want to shoot the three until he's taken four dribbles. But <laughs> now Maxie's changing directions in the lane. He's getting to his floaters. He's drawing more contact and he's beginning to sell some of these extremely painfully reluctant officials that he's a guy who gets fouled because they haven't, they, they just didn't want to give it to him for the first couple of years. 
But now they're finally like, oh, he is trying I, contact. I think I I I think they have to. I think that Tyrese. I think we've reached that point with him where Maxi should start getting all star calls because yeah, he, sh he should be an all star this year. If he's not, I would be incredibly surprised. I don't know. The, if the game against Houston really bugged me because the refs acted like Van Vliet was this. I know Van Vliet has a ring, but they acted like he was on another level in terms of stardom and drawing contact. But Maxi wasn't getting the same types of calls on the other end. And I was like, yeah, what, what's the difference here between these two guys? Maxi's headed for an all-star berth. If there's one thing that always bugged me about the Sixers, it was those non-Embiid minutes. And with Maxi, we don't seem to have that problem, at least offensively. I have some... Wait, what? So Nick Nurse isn't doing all bench lineups when Joe sits? Apparently not, and uh, apparently <laughs> that's a thing that that works that should be done. You can um, do that. You can, you can do that. Stars? You can stagger stars. There are five lineups so far this season where Maxi's been on the floor, Sands and Bead, and they've gotten fifteen minutes or more. And in all of those lineups, featuring Tobias Harris, Kelly Oubre Jr., Melton, Paul Reed. There are three of those lineups where the O rating is 120 or better. Oh my goodness. And then the other two are just above 100. And the other, the ones that are not 120 plus is lineups where it's like Batum and Marcus Morris or uh, Harrison Covington. But I love, I love how much homework you did for this pod. You're hey so man, prepared in the new year. Hey man, I gotta, I gotta come correct. The, the one that is getting the most minutes, that's Tyrese, that's Tyrese, Tobias Harris, Oubre, Melton, and Paul Reed. That lineup has played eight games together, 74 minutes, O rating of 124.8, and a D rating of 112.2. And by the way, I'm looking now, that would be the second best offensive rating in the league, only second to the Indiana Pacers. It would be better than Boston Celtics starters offensive rating, basically. <laughs> The Sixers lead the league in net reading and in net rating. And get this, they do. Their, their bench is first in net rating. How we many have, times did we say we have we a bench? When did this happen? You know, I guess the secret was you don't play all of the bench players at the same time. That must have been the secret unlock that had because, to be done. Because last year I'm watching these Matisse, Trez, lineups and there was that like devastating unnecessary segment of the season where maxi was playing on those all bench lineups coming off the bench and was admittedly losing confidence and then played terribly and then they reinserted him and he started going back to balling and it was like why did we do this <laughs> but uh but we don't want i don't want to make it a rag on doc by uh by praising nurse pod so let's yeah that's let's my that's my job that, that's, let's that's my job on, to, that's my job to, on x <laughs> let's move forward to what do they need next i was just gonna say what kind of worries you the most going forward and i guess my answer would be just a regression to like the mean like the where is this team a month, two months from now, as opposed to right now, because I shooting like this and success like this, it's not constant. Like there are going to be lulls. It's going to happen. But when it does happen, how bad is the drop is all I'm wondering. Yeah. You want to do like what Brett Brown used to call the pre-mortem. If things don't work out, what? Yeah. <laughs> I am worried about, first, first of all, 
Boston being healthy. Boston, I know this is going to be another uh, vomitous moment for some listeners, but Boston is absolutely stacked, in my opinion. You have two Supermax players, literally, and both all NBA players in Brown and Tatum. You have a, a champion in Drew Holiday who's always stalwart defensively. Even if he's not always the greatest playoff shooter, he's always a smart player. Correct. Derek, Derek White is getting some like low-key all-star buzz himself and has probably been their third best player, if not their second best player. Rightfully so. Of this year. And Porzingis has his health issues, but if they could load manage him to the finish line, we already saw when he's matched up with Joe what that does because his ability to make threes forces Joe to guard him out there. It opens up the paint where we have very little help, and that's a problem. The Celtics um, are sixteen and zero at home, so that's something I that's something to be mindful of too. And like they're headed for home court, and you know Al Horford can just kind of rest all year until the playoffs. This yeah, now that they have this deep of a roster, um, and so. I'm also worried about how the officials are going to be when you have to go into Boston and win a game one. I, you know, Tatum gets every call, Brown gets every call, and it's just tough to picture the Sixers as currently constructed. I guess what I'm worried about is a lot of the success they've seen not translating to when they play the best teams. And to be fair, last time I checked, they were only like two and four against some of the top teams. Like, I think they're one and two against Boston, oh, and one against Milwaukee. Is that right? So uh, I would have to check the tapes on that. Um, I think you're right, though. An 0 and 1 against Miami. So uh, we got that, the Knicks. That, we got the Knicks next. That wouldn't shock me if I'm being perfectly honest, just because of, like you said, how talented and how stacked Boston is. But I mean, I will say I have way more faith in the team now to go into those tougher environments than in years past i don't know if that's just flat out um me being delusional but i i don't know uh they are one and two against boston they are oh and one against milwaukee and they are oh and one versus heat oh and one versus miami one and one versus indiana if you believe in them as anything but um i I do they're also one they're also one and one against Minnesota, so that's something. <laughs> yeah, and I and they've beaten the Thunder, haven't they? Uh they have beaten the Thunder. They've beaten Toronto three times already. Uh so that's that's something. For for whatever reason, they're one and two against Chicago, which makes kind of no sense, but whatever, it's fine. But hey, at least we beat Atlanta twice. That that's important. Yeah, and I can't remember, but I think we beat the Suns, did we? Um, uh we did beat the suns we uh they're yeah they they beat the suns already yeah but i the suns are not at full strength and we can get into no. them later um but yeah what what are you looking for i know now that i, I really wanted og ananobi so did um, i i really wanted him i know that a lot of people like to argue he's not a star and he's not going to be worth the 50 million dollars you'd have to pay him if you got a five-year max blah 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 i wanted him on this team and I think it was an absolute coup for the Knicks. I'm a little bit perplexed by some of the reactions of people saying, like, this was a fair trade because maybe I'm giving Masai Ujiri too much credit when I wonder, did his owner force his hand and say, hey, I want to still compete. I don't want a full rebuild. Why don't you bring in this guy who's from Canada and R.J. Barrett? I, I don't know. I just don't think was- he got enough I was going to say, you make that trade if you think that R.J. Barrett is going to be able to take that that next step 
away from New York. And but like it's you said, hard to imagine them thinking he's gonna after this many years of yeah. not doing that and, and not getting like a few picks just to buttress your, you know, just to build up that insurance in case he doesn't. Anyway. And can I say something? Can I say something about the OG uh, contract looming? I Please. kind of agree that, like, man, he may not be a max player, but you're gonna have to pay him like one. It just sounds to me like Tobias Harris all over again. Like, no, 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 no. Like, this is one of the this is one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. Okay, and this is a guy who likes that's, taking catch and shoot threes. That's what that's kind of all that's kind of what I was thinking was like, um, just it it sounds it kind of sounds like a Tobias situation where it's just like you have to overpay him because that's what the market is for a guy of this caliber. So it, it's fine. Yeah, no, I think um I think it's a great move by the Knicks. And if I were them, I'd be starting to feel pretty aggressive. I wouldn't be worried, like I've seen some of the local papers say, do they really want to pair Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson since they're both six two or less? And oh I'm my like God. Well, what are you trading? What are you to doing, get New York? If you have a package to trade, you're giving them like Fournier, Grimes, um, Mitchell Robinson, and picks. So it's not like they traded is... their best player prospect in probably quickly. Yeah. Other than Brunson, that was probably their most desired piece, other than their picks. And he's out. So if I were them, it would be a no-brainer to go splurge big and get Mitchell in house. And um, with and with the Sixers now that OG is off the table, you look at some of the names that are being thrown out there. Zach Levine's name keeps getting thrown around. I'm just like, no, absolutely not. What what if? All right. So what if the package was Levine plus Caruso? Does that change the calculus for you at all? Let's say it would take all of the remaining picks and like Marcus Morris and Tobias Harris to get it done. No Levine, power is left except Covington and Batum. Levine and Caruso might help me accept the fact that Zach Levine is on the team. But if I can if I can just get Caruso, then I'll be fine. Okay. I, I don't think personally, I don't think the Sixers need to get that third star. I don't think it's necessary. But I, they might they might view Levine perhaps in a similar vein that the Knicks viewed RJ Barrett and say, well, we kind of don't want to pay this man anymore. So if you do want Caruso, this is going to be a package deal. That's all. That's also very pop. pop uh, we know you only want Caruso, but yeah, <laughs> take this, take this super max player with the bum knee. I also am not too thrilled on Donovan Mitchell. Just another ball dominant guard to take the ball what? out of Maxi's hands. I'm not the, biggest fan of that what i yeah i'm you wouldn't trade for you wouldn't trade the sixers crummy late picks for donovan mitchell dave i don't know if you remember this because we haven't podcasted in a while but i am absolutely certifiably insane when it comes to like where i value certain nba players and don't get me wrong donovan mitchell maybe possibly makes this team better I mean, he does. I'm not. Why am I? I'm. I'm lowballing. I'm lowballing. I'm lowballing Donovan. I'm lowballing Donovan Mitchell right now. I'm sorry. Uh, If if, it's got to be Harris in a trade just for uh, contract, and then you're running out. Here's the conundrum for me: if you do not, if you stay hold Pat and just say, "Hey, we won't have the best chance to win the championship as is, but we'll have a chance." 
And then we go into the summer where we can potentially trade five first round picks because they'll be able to trade the 2024 on draft day. Right. I think the 2026, no, or the 2027. I forget which ones, but I believe our Brian Saporic taught us that it would be up to five and then they'll have more than a max contract. So you could really make a splash if you held on to your bullets. So a guy, a package like Levine and Caruso would have to be worth it to you to sacrifice all of that. But you'd also be sacrificing perhaps the best year of Joel Embiid's prime. So it's not simply um, your bullets in terms of picks. It's also this season, you know, in terms of not doing all you can to improve the title odds right now. So I think that's the conundrum. I would like to hear some scenarios bandied about maybe we can get brian to write it for us like what are some of the absolute dream scenarios that daryl morey could be plotting for the summer does he think that a clippers flame out could lead to any one of Kawhi leonard or paul george being tempted to sign with the sixers does he think that maybe og won't be persuaded by the fact that his agent is leon rose nick's president's son and the mm-hmm. ca and sign here and then he can also use four picks to trade someone like Paul Reed to get another stud on a cheap contract. I don't know what those pie in the sky things look like. It, it might have to be like this crazy double sign and trade where each, do you remember when Pat Riley pulled it off? Yes. And Toronto got a sign and trade with a pick for Bosch and Cleveland got one for LeBron and everyone, everyone was kind of <laughs> happy, I guess. <laughs> Uh, Brian Colangelo lost Bosch, but he got the pick back that he once gave them for the Jermaine O'Neal matrix trades. (laughs) So I'm going way back, but yeah, that might be the type of thing they're weighing right now. Like we could do some seriously, seriously sick super team type things if we do nothing before the trade deadline. So we would have to be really confident in whatever we are going to do. I know there was a rumor today that the Nets are potentially in on Siakam, but do not want to trade the absolute perfect fit in Mikhail Bridges. So that's kind yeah. of a problem. What do you think about Siakam? Would you want him? Siakam. So swapping out Siakam for Harris, I do kind of like that. What about, uh, what if it was Morris and Covington instead? I feel like you have two players that kind of do the same thing in Siakam and Harris, and you're clogging the lane a little bit. Okay, so then Harris is out. If you're tra- if you're trading for Pascal Siakam, then you have to move somebody out of the paint, pretty much. Okay. And yeah. I, I think that from a contract perspective and from a fit perspective, I think Tobias would have to be moved. And that's interesting because I don't know how true these rumors are, but the Pistons are sniffing around for Tobias Harris. I don't know how true that is or why they would do something like that. Uh, didn't you guys just lose 28 straight? What what are you buying for? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It, it It's odd, but um, yeah, P- Siakam is not really moving the needle for me. I much would have preferred OG because of the position he plays. Siakam likes to kind of dribble and spin three times, taking his time to get in the paint. Um, and Joel Embiid likes to play there, so... I have, it's not it's not a seamless fit, although it would be it would certainly be a talent upgrade. I like the depth and the because the Sixers are eight, nine deep at least. So I would kind of like to keep that depth until at least the all-star break. There's one name that I have in mind that I keep just going back to every year almost. 
And with the situation as it is in Memphis, I'm like, okay, um, hey, um, Zach Kleinman, executive, um, what would it what would it take to pry Luke Kennard from your fingers? That's who you got your eyes on. Listen, I'm just thinking of the, I'm just trying not to rock the boat too hard before the All Star break. Okay. Do you want to have this? Do they need a third star? Would they be better off with depth debate that everyone keeps having? Sure. Do you want to, We could listen. We could do that now, or we could cut, or we could do some homework, and we can have this discussion next week. Let, let's just preview it now. And I'm going to say, of course, they need the third star. Unless you're defining a star as someone like Zach Levine, then maybe they don't. Because I don't think of Zach Levine as a star right now, the way he's been limited by injuries since his last All-Star appearance. But if we're talking like Daryl Morey's list of 30 guys he would trade Ben Simmons for, I mean, those guys were true stars. And he started with names like Doncic and Giannis. Yeah, don't get me wrong. 30. If there's a, if there's a way to get Shea Gill SGA to the Sixers, I am all for it. If we can get Luca to the Sixers, I am all for it. A thousand yeah. percent. That's kind of what I'm saying. If you could get us an actual star, someone we would both agree on is a star, then you have to go star hunting, and they should be doing that right now. But more realistically, I'm not. That's going to be tough to pull off. I'm not out here trying to say, okay, let's get Trey Young. Absolutely fucking not. I'm not out here saying, mm-hmm. hey, let's get like uh, Trey Young. I'm, I'm not. I'm not turning my nose up at that for Tobias. <laughs> so you, so you want to run a Trey Young, Tyrese Maxey backcourt? Uh, if what I'm paying is Tobias Harris and Jesus, Pitt, yeah, let's do it. If it, if it doesn't work, I'll trade Trey for much more than Harris <laughs> later. That's also that's also true. Like think of like future moves down the line. Yeah, some team's gonna value him like a franchise player. Maybe. Listen, I wouldn't listen. I wouldn't be mad if Jeremy Grant wanted to come home. I wouldn't be mad at that at all. He might. He's got his max. Maybe he just wants to get out of Portland now. Brandon Ingram, you tired of playing alongside Zion and like your future being tied to his health? All right, cool. Come on, yeah, come on I, over to Philly. Come on I, over. I would love, I would love the Brandon Ingram for Tobias trades, but uh, I'm always trying to trade Tobias for a star. I was trying to trade him for Kyrie Irving. I got pelted on our Slack for that one. Um, <laughs> remember? Rightfully so, David. <laughs> Jesus, like these are kind of the players that I'm like throwing names around. Like, I don't think now. Versus previous years, I don't know if Buddy Heald is actually an option anymore. I think Indiana needs him, not necessarily wants him, but probably needs him at this point just to fit their play style of just like our defense, our best defense is putting up 150 points. Yeah, they're they're balling. Um, and you know who else is balling is De'Aaron Fox. Who De'Aaron Fox? You, you know that the Sixers could have had him for, for Ben, ben Simmons, Simmons. At one point. and so. <sighs> Just that twist that, that knife. Worked. Yeah, that might have worked out a lot better than Harden did. But um, I, I'm thinking of guys like Luke Kennard. I'm thinking of guys like Kevin Herter. I'm thinking of guys like uh, maybe not Jordan Poole, but like somebody along that character, just like flamethrowers from three. And if they play a little defense, awesome. Yeah, I've got my sights set a little higher. I'm thinking about Jimmy Butler. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's what I love about you, Dave. Come you home, always, Jimmy. See, that's why I love you, Dave. You always Jimmy. want me to shoot for the moon here, and you know I won't do that. Jimmy. <laughs> what about what about your boy, Finnish Yams, Laurie Markinen? 
I saw the trade requirement for Lowry, and I was just like, oh, God, Utah, you want five first-round picks for Lowry marketing? You don't want to haggle with Danny. All right, what about uh, what about Damn it. Yeah, I don't want to. Right combo. Yeah, I don't want anything to do with Danny Ainge. I am tired of this franchise getting pants by Danny Ainge on every possible front. I'm done with that. What about the Kuzma Delon Wright double? I ain't mad at that, to be honest. If Washington is in full sell mode, I ain't mad at that. I'm not mad at that at all. What about the uh, Rosen? What about the Rosen and Caruso? DeRozan and Caruso is 100% my A plus number one trade that I want to do. I would be uh, all in on that. Let me uh, let me take notes because if this happens, I'm going to quote you on it and put it on Twitter. Because I am pretty A plus move. Because I'm pretty sure you Royster. can you can insert Caruso January 3rd. in the starting. <laughs> you heard it here first in the starting lineup, or you bring Caruso off the bench. You bring DeRozan off the bench. Maybe you start him and Covington. So you're running MB Covington DeRozan Melton slash Caruso, and then Maxi as your fifth starter. Yeah. I, I kind of like that lineup. I like that lineup, and you still have the and you still have pretty good depth because if all you're giving up is like Tobias and Morris, then you're just giving Covington the Morris minutes, which I'm perfectly okay with. Yeah, Nur- Nurse has been a little bit reluctant to use Covington. He did pop up with a knee, so I don't know if it was that. Um, but I would be totally fine rolling with a combo of Batum Covington. And then maybe we could finally see some Reed at the four alongside Joel because when Joel was out, I mean, did you see the game Paul Reed had in Orlando? He Paul was like, Reed was rocking. This is a starter. What about Keldon Johnson on the Spurs? He's he signed for like 1975-175 through 2027. He's only 24. Keldon Johnson, I've been kind of keeping an eye on as well, but if you're the Spurs, why would you do it, right? Are are you really trading away like young talent that may or may not fit that may fit around Victor pretty damn well? Well, he's only shooting thirty three percent from three last year and thirty four percent from three this year, so the right. fit isn't even necessarily seamless here. But it's not the best. But Keldon Johnson does play a he plays a mean defensive wing. I will say that. He does, but his free throw percent being only 75 is also a little bit of a flag for me. Not great. Like, if you can't shoot 80% from the line, can I really have faith you're going to shoot 38% from three? And if Daryl Moyer sat us down and said the answer is yes, when he's wide open in the corners, which he would be here, then maybe you go out and pull the trigger. He's not getting those looks in San Antonio. Um but yeah, definitely a name to keep an eye on too. I know some fans like, and he, and I know as Daryl Morey would like, he's signed, so you don't have to worry about him leaving you in free agency as you would with uh, an OG Ananobi. If you got him, now you're petrified that he says, "You kind of got my eye on New York or Miami next <laughs> summer," and I already I, paid three picks to get him. I wish his numbers looked a little better to um, validate the trade interest but jordan clarkson he's just not shooting the way he used to so i don't know if i want to take a risk on that i think we already learned where maury stands on clarkson last year or paul hudrick wrote a piece that they should maybe sniff him the sixers kind of like put it out quickly that they were not interested and that was the last we heard of it so i'm guessing he's on some sort of like 
a little bit too inefficient list and not enough good defense. He's not the two-way two-way guy Daryl's looking for. Uh DeJounte Murray's name gets thrown around sometimes. I, no. I think I I think I would rather have either Sadiq Bay or DeAndre Hunter personally. Uh, yeah, I'm not interested in Murray. I think his his price point is extremely I mean he's paid like a superstar. He really is. But he's I not don't... a he's not a good shooter. The off ball experiment is not working out very well in Atlanta. I do think his defense, I think it was Steve Jones who pointed out maybe if he was in Miami, he'd be balling again defensively, and that's fair. But he's not an absolute lockdown defender as in a point guard's body, right? And he's not a knockdown shooter, which is something that Tyrese and Joel would really need. So I know it's annoying to say they need the prototypical arch type. Everyone wants a perfect 3 and D wing like Mikhail Bridges because those guys don't come around on trees. But that's what they need. They should have just kept them. <laughs> we go back to your we should have kept Isaiah Joe. Yeah, twist the knife. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the last name I'll throw out and like that'll that'll do it for me because I am because it's a hill that I die on very, very frequently. And I know I'm, Dave, I just want to preface this by letting you know that I know I already know I'm gonna catch hella shit for this, but if you if you're about to say D Lo. <laughs> God damn it, you know. You knew it. D-Lo, you, knew you it. want D still? <laughs> you knew it. I'm not I'm not against it. If he's the sixth man, I'm not against that at all. Like is he a member of your immediate family? I not that I'm aware of. Is he I, part of the is he part of the Royster like part barbecue circuit? He does have he he does have an automatic invite to the barbecue, but I mean <laughs> I, I He's playing like 30 minutes a game for the Lakers right now. Depending on how that shakes out, I don't know how much they really want him. If they, I don't know what they want to do with him. He's in the starting lineup. He started 28 out of 32 games, but I really think they want to start Austin Reeves and they should. So maybe, maybe D'Lo for the right price. Not against Rui Hashimura either, but you know, that's, that's a whole nother story. I'm going to I'm going to let you have the last word with that one. All right, cool. <laughs> I'm not I'm not fighting back this time. <laughs> you can always follow us on X. It used to be called Twitter. I have to call it X now because that's what it's freaking called. Uh, I am at Adobe Royster. Dave is at David underscore early. No underscore. Just David no underscore. Early. I always forget that we haven't potted in a while. So I forgot your handles. And it's all good. Yeah uh read libertyballers.com where liberty ballers is also on twitter looks up on liberty ballers on x and yeah fun times it's good to have fun sixers basketball again this is great i love this happy new year everyone and go sixers (sighs) happy new year everyone go sixers we're out of here we will talk to everybody next week (laughs) 